Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, I'm going to be talking about shame. Many years ago, I was asked to, to lead a group and um, what I would want to do it on. And instinctively, I, I said shame. I think that it's one of the, the biggest things that we as men and women of God and, and people that are trying to change really struggle with. It, because it's been there for so long. We have just gotten so used to it that it's just part of us, almost like a callus on our hand. You know, and, and a lot of us have gone to counseling and, and done workbooks and different types of groups. And, you know, we've probably touched on certain areas that, you know, we've struggled with or, or different things that we've been through to, to try to find some sort of resolution. And, and, and we get some. But yet there's still something that's underneath the surface that still hinders us from walking forward in life. And, and we just get so used to the achiness that goes on in our heart or goes on in our mind, goes on in our gut that we have just chalked it up as it, it's always going to be there. It's, it's just the way it is. And, you know, as you look in the Bible, shame is almost one of the very first things that pops up. You know, as Eve, you know, took the apple and and gave it to Adam, their first response was to hide from God. Their first response was to cover up their sin. You know, and, you know, when we've been through the things that we've gone through, we step back from people. We step back from God. How can I have gone through this type of, you know, situation if there's a loving God? You know, how can I, you know, have gone through this painful thing if there is a God? You know, and I struggle with that myself for many, many years. And, you know, as we look at the human response to when we go through something difficult, it's to, to step away from God. It's an instinct, almost. You know, it takes time and it takes a relationship with Jesus that when we go through something difficult that we run to him instead of push him away. You know, and I think, honestly, that, that shame is something that I struggled with for a long, long time, not realizing that there was more freedom available than what there is. You know, I think that in my life, there's countless situations that have happened to me or, or around me that caused an element of shame, caused an element of unworthiness, insecurity, fear, brokenness. You know, growing up in a household where my dad, had, it really hasn't been a part of my life and, and my parents ended up getting a divorce and my mom got into a relationship with alcoholics who were very uh, physically and verbally abusive, you know, being molested from the time that I was six to the time that I was nine. You know, so by the time I was 10 years old, I was a pretty screwed up little kid. You know, and dealing with the painful things that we've all been through, a lot of us dealing with them before we ever re reached puberty, before we ever reached adolescence, 
you know, there's this unforgiveness that we carry that's in there since before we ever started, you know, kindergarten. Some of us have been carrying pain for a long, long, long time, not really knowing what to do with it. You know, and <clears throat> realizing as I've worked with people and, and I've tried to, to help them build a relationship with Jesus and, and done different types of, you know, workbooks or, you know, helping somebody do steps that there is an element of freedom. But the lies that we still listen to are very difficult to, you know, come back because they've always been there. So we believe them over what is true. You know, and shame has this way of digging deep into our mind and into our lives that we, we don't even realize that the tape is playing. You know, Jesus can forgive you. Well, yeah, Jesus can forgive you, but there's sins in my life that can't be forgiven. Well, Jesus loves you. Well, Jesus loves you, but I've done things that aren't lovable. You know, there's freedom in Christ. Yes, there's freedom in Christ for you, but you know, I'm different. You know, there's this element where I separate myself. I step away from God. I try to cover my sin myself. You know, and as long as I don't talk about it, eventually it'll go away. You know, the time that heals all wound analogy. The problem is if I stab you in the chest with a sword, most likely that wound isn't going to be healed by time. You need a surgeon to get in there and deal with the problem. And some of us have been stabbed deep in our hearts. You know, some of us have been hurt by some of the people that say they love us the most. You know, that you look at Tamar, one of David's daughters, you know, he was, she was sexually, you know, raped by her stepbrother or half-brother, Amon. And he had such a desire for her, and she's like, you know, wait, talk to Dad. And he, you know, raped her, and then he didn't want anything to do with her. That his shame pushed her away, and then she said, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to carry this shame? You know, for a long, long time as a young boy, you know, being sexually molested, I didn't know what to do with that. It's not something that you can just tell your friends. It's not something that you can just tell someone. You know, I do remember trying to tell my mom about it, and it wasn't received very well, and I just shut down. It's just something that you don't talk about. And many of us have an area in our lives that we've attempted to talk about and we have talked about. It didn't get received well, or the person that we did talk to about it, you know, hurt us in some sort of way. So it, it solidified it in our mind that if I do expose it, I get hurt more. So I'm just going to push myself away from people in God. I'm just going to bury it. I'm going to cover that up. You know, and <clears throat> for nearly two decades, I kept that deep down inside didn't talk about it. And I remember sitting in a counseling appointment and, and the counselor said, what's the one thing that you, you need to talk about? And that thing came flooding forward. You know, what's the one thing that you need to talk about? Whatever just popped in your mind, 
I encourage you to start talking to Jesus about that thing. I know it's not easy talking to people. I know you've probably tried to talk to somebody about it. But I, I've come to realize that I need to go to Jesus first. I need to break that barrier of me push, keeping him at arm's length. And I need to, to get close to him. I need to start talking to him about the things that I'm struggling with. What's going on deep in my heart? What's the thing that's going on and racing in my mind right now as I'm talking? That's something that I encourage you to start talking to Jesus about and asking him into that area, whatever it may be. You know, sexual sin is this, this violation of our body, you know, and it affects us deeply into our, the core of our identity. You know, and as I've sucked this down and didn't know how to talk about it, didn't know how to deal with it over the years, I just kept this, this element of shame that I was not worthy. I was not lovable, that sex was something very painful in my mind, that I didn't know how to have relationships with people. You know, and it wasn't until I began to expose it that I realized that through talking with a counselor that it was not a fault of my own. And some of us in here have sins that have been committed against us that is is not a fault of our own. But that doesn't mean that I don't struggle with it. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle with it because I just don't know what to do with it. We'll give it to Jesus. That sounds good, but how do I do it? I've kept it buried for so long, I don't even want to try to dig it up. I don't want to open the door that that thing's locked behind. Because if I open that door and let it out, I don't know what's going to happen. Sound familiar? But the thing of it is, is that Jesus stands at that door and he knocks. And I know that it's difficult. I'm not trying to make light of anything that is going on in your life that you've been through. I know that this is a difficult subject to talk about. I know that it's a difficult subject to listen to me talk about. Well, you don't know what it's like, Tom. You're right. I don't know what you've been through. Absolutely. I can only get up here and talk about my struggles, what I've been through, what Jesus has done in my life to help me to heal and to change. And I believe that that same freedom is available for everyone in here, but it is a lot of work and it is scary, but he meets us every step of the way. You know, I I started to realize that Things that I went through in my childhood, abuse and abandonment and rejection, physical, emotional, that that wasn't my fault. And a lot of times I've been blamed for those things as a kid. So I've owned those things. I was just a bad kid. You know, and I, I've, and that became part of my identity and why I acted out so poorly for so long. Because if I'm just a bad kid, then what's the point of trying to behave? I, I know I can't. You know, which leads to me doing things that I'm ashamed of. 
you know, I was a thief for the majority of my life. You know, it wasn't until I came to Jesus that he started dealing with that and, and helped me to, to not steal something in every store I've ever walked into. You know, that I struggled with sexuality and, and pornography for the entirety of my adult life until I came to Jesus. That I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to turn it off. I didn't even know that it was possible. I didn't even know that I wanted to. I didn't know how much it affected me. I didn't know how much it clouded my mind in the way that I looked at women and the way that I viewed society. You know, and how much shame I had because of the, my sexual exploits in my life. You know, as a young man, you're told that, you know, you should be proud of it. But yet, I don't ever remember being proud of it. I remember trying to be bragful and, and egotistical and look at me. I'm, a, you know, but truly, I think at the heart of it, of who I was, I wanted love. I wanted a relationship. I wanted something that was pure, but I didn't know how to do that. You know, because everything I've been through, <clears throat> I didn't think that I could. Who would want to love me? Who was ever going to love me? You know, I wasn't loved by my parents very well. You know, everybody that said they loved me has always hurt me. You know, so I guess I'm just one of the ones that's never going to be loved. You know, and that, that voice in the back of my head that I'm always going to be alone, that I'm never going to be lovable, you know, was there for a long, long time until Jesus started healing it. You know, we look at, you know, different people in the Bible and their responses. You know, we look at Peter, you know, he was very zealous and he was ready to do whatever Jesus was asking him to do. And Jesus told him, well, you're, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, never, Lord. You know, and then that very night, he ended up denying him three times. The point that he even denied, he even knew Jesus. You know, they locked eyes, the Bible says. I can't imagine what that must have done to Peter. You know, and how many times I'm trying to follow Jesus and, and I'm trying to do the right thing and, and I deny him. You know, and then I feel ashamed that maybe I'm not saved or, or maybe, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, broken goods forever. I'm just going to struggle with this area for the rest of my life. And that's not true. You know, I think that there's a response that can be take place because we look at Judas as well. And in his own strength and in his own might, he was trying to force Jesus's hand and, you know, he betrayed Jesus. And yet, you know, he ended up taking his own life because of his shame. You know, and I know for me that I've thought of suicide for a long, long time. The majority of my life, I, I had planned. And every time that I would get close, I would find some tiny thing to talk me out of it. And I don't take that light tonight. I, I would imagine that somebody in here is struggling with the, those types of thoughts. And if you have a plan, I, I really encourage you to, to talk to me before you leave tonight.
you know, I can't imagine what that would have done to my friends or my family. But I'm so grateful that Jesus got me through that dark time in my life. You know, that Jesus ended up restoring Peter. And in my personal opinion, I believe that Judas could have been restored as well. Because I don't think that there's any sin that can't be forgiven, except for the sin that isn't asked to be forgiven. So I think if if Judas didn't take actions into his own hands, that there might be a different Judas story in the Bible. But that's just my opinion. You know, and we see how Jesus restored Peter. You know, and and called out to him, "Do you love me, Peter?" You know, and he said yes. And then he gave him a commission. Well, feed my lambs. You know, and this happened three times, and, and Peter gets frustrated with Jesus because he keeps asking him the same question. And I ask you the question, do you love Jesus? Well, then serve him. That's what he did to Peter, right? You know, and I think there is something to that transition that I've done something that I'm ashamed of, but I love Jesus. I think there's some aspect of as I begin to serve Jesus, something begins to shift in my mindset and in my heart that doesn't happen outside of laying my life down and serving him. You know, I remember being very selfish as a young man and unwilling to do anything unless somebody paid me to do it. I remember the first time that somebody told me I should go volunteer. I was like, do they pay you for that? Just didn't get it. You know, and as I learned to volunteer, as I learned to surrender my life, as I learned to serve the Lord, you know, opportunities were given to me and, and you know, many, many years ago, this ministry was handed to me and, you know, and I have been serving Jesus and serving the local church and serving this city and serving this state for a long, long time now. And there's something to serving the Lord that has, has helped me to grow as a man, helped me to heal as a man, helped me to change me, develop my areas of character, teach me things about Jesus, teach me, you know, things of who he is and, and what he's about and develop that relationship with him, you know, and it's been a struggle. But I believe that as I'm learning to love him, I'm also understanding that he loves me so much more. And those elements of shame start to be stripped away. You know, and I know that I've had to to do a lot of work, but I also know that I've had to address my thinking patterns. You know, and I've looked into the Bible and tried to study certain aspects and understand what the Bible actually says about certain things. You know, and I didn't understand some of the things that were happening in the church when I first started coming around. So I started looking stuff up in the Bible, and I couldn't find it. You know, and 
you know, spiritual warfare is this thing that gets thrown around a lot. You know, and I look to Jesus, and how did he do spiritual warfare? He didn't. He just did the will of the Father, which is, you know, difficult for us because we're not Jesus. But however, when we do get into his will and we are serving him, there's a peace that begins to come. And, and I started to notice that as Jesus did what Jesus was doing here on earth and, and wherever he traveled, you know, he, he did it with peace. Now he had opposition from various, you know, different places. You know, he was opposed by the demoniac and Jesus dealt with that. He had opposition from the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and, and Jesus dealt with that as well. You know, the only time that you really see Jesus get extremely upset is when he's flipping tables, and, and that's because they were, you know, using his father's house as a den of thieves. They were robbing the, the people, you know. And it, but other than that, you see Jesus basically walking in peace no matter where he went. You know, and I didn't know how to have peace. I've lived in chaos my entire life. If I didn't have chaos, I created chaos because I felt way more comfortable in chaos than I did in peace. It was very uncomfortable to be around people that were peaceful. Those were not my types of people. You know, so I learned that peace and boredom were the same thing. I just looked at it different. And I remember the day that I, I went to go hang out with somebody and because I hated being in my own head, so I decided to go hang out with somebody else. I'd rather hang out with somebody I don't like than rather than hang out with somebody I hated, and that was myself. You know, I remember going to hang out with that person, and the day was just completely chaotic. I remember hating it and wishing I could just go home. And I remember getting home, and I'm like, what was that? And this is when the Lord showed me that I wasn't really bored. I just didn't understand how, how, how to truly accept peace in my life. And I started paying attention that I would destroy peace because peace made me think about what was going on between my ears. So I would find things to distract me so I didn't have to stay in my head. But then I started working on the things that I was ashamed of and the things that, you know, I'd been through in my life. And, you know, I used step work, you know, in different other workbooks, different, you know, books that I've read and did the, you know, the work that went along with them and started process the things that were going on in my head and started giving those things to Jesus. And all of a sudden, more and more peace began to come. And I started to accept it rather than to destroy it. You know, and all of a sudden, the shame that I've been carrying my whole entire life started to strip away, and it was very uncomfortable. It was almost like a coat I've been wearing, and, and even trying to take it off, I, I would think of things, and I would do things that potentially could bring the coat and put it back on. And I remember having this moment and saying, Tom, stop. Stop hurting yourself. And I didn't know how to not do things that were really causing me harm in my adult life. Because my whole life, I blamed my mom, my dad, the government, you know, the school, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, you know, you name it, I blamed it. 
But at some point in my life, I really had no one else to blame. All of the pain that I had in my life was my own fault at that point. You know, and I've hurt myself far more than anyone else ever has. You know, I've been my own worst enemy for a long, long time. And I didn't know how to stop hurting myself. And I'm not even talking about physically or cutting or different things, although I've done, you know, some little things to harm my body. I would just act out sexually, act out in, in anger, act out stealing stuff. You know, I would you know, rebel against things. I would do things. I know this is not going to go well, but here we go. I would quit jobs, not having another job lined up because I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And then I would have to deal with the chaos and the pain. And it felt almost more comfortable to be in the chaos and the pain because it's just the way it's supposed to be because I'm no good. I'm worthless. No one's going to love me. And when I would create those types of situations, I would feel at ease, like I could have more comfort in chaos because peace made me get between my ears and I didn't like it. You know, so as I started to really come to Jesus, you know, I had a, a worldly mindset that I couldn't be forgiven unless I proved that I was worthy of being forgiven. You know, I had to earn it. And people would tell me, no, that's not how this works. You just need to ask Jesus for forgiveness. So I'm like, I don't care what that Bible says. I got to prove that I can be forgiven. You know, and I fought with the idea that I could just be forgiven. And I think that some of us in here struggle with the idea that you can just be forgiven. Because the, the shame mindset that I had for such a long time prevented me from just allowing Jesus to come close to me. I kept him at distance, just like Adam and Eve did. I pushed him back. I covered my own sin. You know, and I had to, you know, expose myself emotionally, spiritually, and say, Jesus, I want you to come into this place. And it's scary because what's he going to do when he gets in there? You know, I've come to learn through helping people, the more abuse that we went through as kids, the more controlling we are. And control is a, a very difficult thing to, to overcome because we need Jesus to get in there, but we want to control him what he does when he gets in there. And Jesus doesn't let us control him if you ever tried. None of us have ever tried to control him. I know it's just me. But Jesus gets in there and starts messing with stuff. And it's very uncomfortable. Can't he just take it? You know, in the name of Jesus, poof, it's gone. That's the prayer that we all want. But usually that's not how it goes. He wants us to address it. He wants to go to that trauma with us. He wants us to go look at that thing that's in our past and stare at it and say, you don't own me anymore. My identity is not my sexual abuse. My identity is in Christ. My identity isn't in being abandoned as a kid. My identity is in Christ. My identity isn't in being rejected. My identity is in Christ. My identity isn't in being a sexual addict. My identity is in Christ. My identity is not in being a drug addict. My identity is in Christ. 
you know, so what area do we still have to bring Jesus into our identity? Because when we really begin to allow him into those places that our identity is in Christ instead of what happened to us or what we've done, it begins to break the shame cycle. You know, and shame lives in our mind, you know, and it's in our memory. You know, technically they'd say it's in our deep limbic system. You know, getting all technical up here, but, you know, our deep limbic system doesn't have like a timeline. It's not like this happened when I was five and this happened when I was seven and this happened when I was nine, this happened when I was 25 and this happened when I was 30. When we go through a new trauma or something gets triggered, it takes us right through all of it. So we have moments where we can be a little kid again emotionally. And it's like, I thought I dealt with that. You know, and you may have dealt with it, but but it may not have been dug out completely. You know, maybe you did go to counseling and maybe you did discuss it. Maybe you have done some work on it. But maybe there's still more. You know, and I believe that I'm never done. I, I have a level of freedom today that I never thought was available in Christ. But I know that there's more available because that's just the way he works. You know, he wants to heal my mind more. He wants to heal my heart deeper. He wants to change me into him, his image more and more as I grow with him. But what is still in my life that gets in the way? I'm still working on those things. You know, I think that it's important <clears throat> that we understand that he loves us no matter what we've gone through, whether it's happened to us or we've done it. You know, that his love for us doesn't change by our behavior. His love for us doesn't change by what someone's behavior against me. You know, and... Coming to the understanding that God could use my pain and use my shame if I gave it to him was a powerful transition that started to take place because I started to realize what the enemy intended for evil as we read in Genesis 50:20, because the enemy tried taking Joseph out so many times. But God had a plan. How many times... Have we almost lost our lives? How many times did we get ourselves in such predicaments and God somehow let us out of prison? Our own, maybe it was our own personal prison. And yet, you know, as Peter praised him in jail, the door got flung open. You know, we... We're trying to change the way we do worship here, and I know it's unfamiliar to a lot of you, you know, and you know, we're putting that stuff up on the YouTube, you know, and I'm going to work on trying to get jump drives to everybody so that you have your own copies of those things so you can listen to it. But as I listened to that music, it started ministering to some really deep places in my heart and in my mind and helped me to worship out of painful places. You know, and I still need to worship out of painful places because I believe that that's the only way to do it. I can wish my painful situations would change, but that's never really done anything for me. 
it's something about talking to God and praising God and saying, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you, you know, and just lifting his name up and, and singing, get a little crazy, maybe even dance around the kitchen. You know, I never would have thought that I would listen to worship music. It's not my style. I know it's not some of your guys' style. I get that. But there's something powerful in praising him that starts to break off those chains of things that I've been struggling with, the things that you've been struggling with for a long, long time. The enemy hates it when we start to lift his name up. Because he wants us to stay stuck in those areas of shame because that's how he manipulates us. That's how he continues to lie. That's how he continues to, to keep us trapped. You know, and, and when we worship in spite of our circumstances, he begins to move. Jesus begins to move. And the enemy's got to move and he moves out because he hates it. You know, there's power in our pain. There's a message in our mess. You know, in our test comes a testimony. You know, and I know I've been through some things, and I know that you guys have been through some things, and if we could let Jesus into those areas, how much damage could we do to the kingdom of darkness? You know, that we find our identity in Christ instead of the things that have been done to us. We find our identity in Christ instead of the things that I've done, no matter how many times you've done it. No matter how many times you've said, God, I don't want to do this anymore, and you did it again. Jesus can still come into those areas. Keep asking. Keep standing at that door. Keep praying. Keep seeking him. Because we never know that day when breakthrough happens. Because every one of us in here has had a breakthrough in one area or another, and it wasn't on the calendar that, oh, you know, October 26, 2023, I'm going to get a breakthrough. Jesus told me. No, we, we just went through life doing the right thing and, and, you know, tried to figure out Jesus, started praying, and all of a sudden things began to shift. None of us got here on a good day. That's the funny way Jesus works. He always reaches into the darkest place in our life and says, here, come here. I love you. I got a plan for you. You know, and, I'll end with a couple things and it's stuff that he taught me is because the majority of my life I asked why. Why did I have to go through this? Why did that have to happen to me? Why couldn't it be like somebody else? Why couldn't I have, you know, this situation instead of that situation? You know, why this? Why that? And I never got the answers to the whys until I surrendered my whys to Jesus and started nailing those things to the cross. And he started bringing the answers to my wives back to me. And they became faces. There's people that you're going to cross paths with at some point in your life when you surrender what it is that you're going through, what you've been through to Jesus, that someday you're going to walk into somebody's life and share the testimony and the power of how Jesus set you free. And you're going to know that you went through that. What the enemy intended for evil, God will use for his glory. But you first have to surrender it to him over and over and over and over. And how many times it takes, I don't know. 
I don't have that answer. You just got to keep bringing it back to Jesus. Jesus, take this. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, lift this for me. Jesus, heal my mind. Jesus, heal my heart. Jesus, 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 come into this area of my life. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to think this way. I don't want to be this way anymore. Heal me, Lord. Keep bringing it back to him. Keep bringing it back to him. Keep bringing it back to him. Declare his word over your life. No matter what you feel and think, start speaking his word over your life. Put the worship music on. No matter if you feel like it or not, start singing the words. Start dancing around. Even when you don't feel like it, you dance in the storm. And something begins to shift spiritually, emotionally, mentally, sometimes even physically. You're sick in your body. You just keep praising them. Say, God, I hate this, but I'm praising you. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. And he begins to move into these areas. And he starts putting you in connection with people somehow that you, you'll connect with somebody and you'll share a piece of your testimony and it'll click in your mind like what the enemy intended for evil, God is using for his glory right now. If you ever wanted to do something you knew it was the wrong thing to do and you did it anyway? Never. I'm the only one. I know. You ever want to do something wrong and you heard the voice of the Lord or you heard a little voice say, don't do that, something bad is going to happen and you did it anyway? Never. I know. You ever want to do something bad and you hear a little voice that if you did this, this is going to happen and you did it anyway and that happened? See, I believe that the Holy Spirit's been interacting in my life long before I I knew Jesus. Long before I knew it was him, he was trying to keep me away from doing the things that were going to hurt me. And there was times that I did some of those things and I hurt other people. See, that same voice that each one of us heard, I believe 100% that the people that have hurt us, the people that have sinned against us, heard that same voice. Just as I didn't listen to the voice and I did what I wanted to do, the people that have harmed us, the people that have sinned against us, the people that have sexually abused us, the people that have raped us, the people that have beat us, heard that same voice, and they chose to do what they wanted to do, just as I chose to do what I wanted to do. And that's sin. I've sinned. You've sinned. Other people have sinned. And the reason why God gave me that is because I blamed him for people sinning against me for a long, long time. And there's some of you in here that still blame God for something that's happened to you. That some person specifically has hurt you in some sort of way and you can't. Get your mind around why God would allow it. And I'm here to try to tell you that God tried to stop it. But just as I didn't listen and you didn't listen, that person didn't listen. And just as I've sinned against somebody and you've sinned against somebody, somebody's sinned against us. See, I always believe that God's trying to prevent us from doing things that are going to harm ourselves or other people. I absolutely believe it. 
but I didn't know how to hear the Holy Spirit back then, but I do today. And there's times that I still don't listen. I, I still want to do what I want to do. But usually I don't cause as much damage as I did as when I was a young man. So I, I just want to let you know that, that Jesus loves each and every one of us so, so much that he was willing to lay his life down for each one of us. That his love for us, he was willing to, to pay the ultimate price so that we could have communion, connection, relationship with the Father. Because there was no other way for it to take place. He asked, he said, if there's another way, can we do it? If not, I'll do it. Your will be done. That's extremely paraphrased, just so you know. Jesus was willing to lay his life down so that we could know the Father, because he knew how valuable that would be. And I want to come to you tonight and help you to realize that he loves you very much. I know that some of you have done some, some really difficult and painful things. But God's love is for each and every one of us. And we got to give him that pain and, and keep coming to him without pain and, and not understanding why. And, and just keep surrendering it to him and surrendering it to him and asking him to heal our hearts and asking him to renew our minds and ask him to lift that condemnation, ask him to lift that shame. And one day you're going to wake up and it's going to be different. I don't know how long it's going to take you. But I promise you, he'll meet you. He met me. He's met some of you already in certain areas. I promise you, if you keep bringing him that painful stuff, that he'll meet you in those places. He likes to light up our darkness. The Bible tells us what he shines his light on to will also become light. You know, and today I, I try to use what God has taken me through to, to light up other people's darkness no matter where I go. I try to be a light to the best of my ability. And I'm still working on areas of my life so I can light up some other stuff for Jesus. You know, I, I know that this is a difficult subject. I know that this is stirring some stuff up in some of us. But I believe that there's freedom for our shame. I, I believe there's freedom for our pain. I believe there's freedom for the stuff that we've been through, the stuff that's happened to us, and the stuff that we've done that we feel ashamed about. I believe there's freedom in Christ and Christ alone. Would you just stand with me? I just want you to take a second. Anything that might have been stirring in your heart tonight, anything that was popping up, I just encourage you to, to, to give that to the Lord. Just take a minute and say, Jesus, I, I need you in this area. I need you to, to come into this painful place. I need you to, to come in and, and heal this area of my life. Jesus, I don't know how to let go of this. I've been carrying it for a long, long time. Jesus, I'm angry at you for allowing this. Whatever it is, whatever's going through your mind right now, just talk to him about it. At this time, I'm also asking you to repent of anything that you might need to repent of. Maybe you repented of it a million times. 
Maybe tonight's the night. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But bring it to him again. Lay that thing at his feet and say, Jesus, I don't want to do this anymore. Jesus, forgive me for what I did. Jesus, forgive me for what I'm doing. Jesus, forgive me for what I did today. Jesus, heal my mind. Jesus, heal my heart. Jesus, transform me. Renew the way I think, Lord. Help me to get my eyes on you instead of turning to this sin area of my life. Lord, I just ask that you would move powerfully tonight, Lord. I pray that you would plant these seeds deep, Lord, in the mind and in the heart, Lord, that you would cover that. Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask you would move, Lord. I pray that these were not my words, that these were your words tonight, Lord. I pray that they get planted next to the living water, Lord. The time that they've spent praying, the time that they spend the word, the time that they spend worshiping, Lord, I pray that these seeds would begin to grow and bring forth a fruit of a hundredfold, Lord. I pray for breakthrough right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for mindsets to be healed right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for areas in our heart that have been wounded and hurt for a long, long time would begin to heal right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you would break off addictions, whatever they might be right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that this will be a night of transformation in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that every one of us would know the love of the Lord in a new way. That we would begin to seek you in a new way, believing that you love me personally. That you don't just love somebody else, that you just don't love everybody, but you love me personally. That I can have a relationship with you personally. That I can talk to you about what I'm going through personally. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would begin to grow and to heal and to chase after you, Lord, and that you would set us on fire for you. Lord, come and pour out your presence on this place, Lord. Lord, as we leave here tonight, Lord, I pray that you would guard us. Any seed that has been planted, Lord, I pray that it would be planted deep, Lord, into your fertile soil. Some of us may be walking into going right back to the thing that we've asked the forgiveness for tonight, Lord, and I pray that you would give us the strength to make a different choice. Whatever that might look like, Lord. I pray right now for that spirit of suicide to be broken off of whoever it is right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray that you would begin to heal that person's heart and mind and help them to see that their life is valuable no matter what they're going through right now, no matter how desperate or, or dismal it may feel. I pray that you would give them hope right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you bring healing to that person right now in Jesus' mighty name. I break off the discouragement of life right now in Jesus' mighty name. The thought that no one would miss them, I break that off right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I ask that you would just move powerfully in our hearts and our minds. In your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.